Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome, everyone, as you are listening to today's edition of Calvary Live. You just heard that number where you are invited to call in and ask your questions and to give your prayer requests. So we give you that number once again, 303-690-3000. Of course, Calvary Live is the show where you get to call in and we will talk live uh, here today on this last Tuesday of August and on the air and answer your questions. Maybe you got questions about the Bible or about Christian living or how do we react to the things that we see going on around us. It's so important uh, in the day in which we are in and every day that we have a proper biblical view because there are so many voices that are out there, so many philosophies that are out there. Calvary Live is a program where we get to encourage you in the things of the Lord and in the word of the Lord and to take you to the throne of grace in time of need. So if you got prayer requests, we invite you to call in with those prayer requests as well. So all open lines right now, grab one of those open lines. This is your show where you get to call in, the listener for the next hour. Uh, grab one of those open lines early because the lines can tend to fill up uh, during the show, but we'd love for you to call in and converse and Maybe you got a question that somebody else is thinking about, and and maybe you got um, you know something to sh- share in the question or uh, what God is doing in your life that will be an encouragement to somebody else. So we get to gather together today over the airwaves and to be able to be encouraged this next hour in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the call in number, and of course, as most of you that are regular listeners to Calvary Live, you know. There's another way for you to be able to get a hold of us, and that's through a dedicated text line, 720-336-0897. That is for texting only. Be careful when you're texting. Maybe that's a more convenient way for you to get a hold of us. Uh, we'd love to talk to you on the air, uh, but if we have time in the show, we'll go to the text line. So 720-336-0897. Again, welcome everyone on this uh, last Tuesday of August is the 30th of August, um, and you listening on Grace FM along the front range of Colorado into southern Wyoming, you are listening live. Those of you also that are listening on Radio by Grace, many stations across the nation, so glad that you've joined the Calvary Live family. Give me a call. And then also those who are online, you are listening as well. Anywhere in the country, that number, that call-in number works at 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And so give me a call. we got all open lines right now. I want to welcome those who are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM on the East Coast and in Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. Uh, you too can call. Um, the program will be a week delayed, uh, but you get to call and talk to somebody live here um, on Calvary Live today, and then you'll hear it on your radio network next week. So I'd love to talk to you. Give me a call on this Tuesday as we're ending August. I do have a prayer request. I'd like to 
go ahead and pray. I'd like to pray for uh, Gary, who's going to have back surgery this week. And so, Father, we do pray for Gary. We just pray that um, as he's going to have some back surgery, we just uh, ask that you be with the surgical team, that you be with the doctors and uh, all those who are going to be ministering to him through that way. And I pray, the Lord, that you would bring healing. And, and Lord, that the surgery would go better than expected. I just pray that you would help him recover, uh, manage the pain. Lord, uh, we know that uh, back pain can be very serious and that surgery as well. So, Lord, we just pray that uh, you bring strength to him, healing to him. For Gary, that you would touch him, his family, that you would minister to them. And, uh, Lord, that you would really uh, show yourself strong on, on his behalf and and that his family would say yes, amen, and Gary himself, that uh, the Lord really was uh, in this and, and provided just blessing and healing and strength in every way. We just pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Maybe you got a loved one that you'd like to pray for, somebody that's on your heart, or maybe you got a prayer request yourself. Love to be able to talk with you. Again, the call-in number is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand is the call-in number to text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. If you're wondering who you're listening to, my name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. I usually host on Mondays and Tuesdays, so I'm with you on this Tuesday, uh, and so glad to be with you. Such a blessing uh, to be a part of this ministry of Calvary Live, and so I'd love for you to call. We got a couple open lines, so grab one of those open lines. As we uh, continue through the hour, the hour goes very quickly, and I'd love to talk with you and and just uh, be able to minister to you uh, the best way I know how and to be able to encourage you in the things of the Lord. Let's go to Tracy in in Maple Shade, New Jersey. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. You're on Calvary Live. Yes. Hey, I have a question for you. Um, I would like you, uh, first I'd like to ask you to recommend uh, what Bible I should pick up and read first. There are so many different things that I've seen and been shown, and I I would like somebody to explain to me uh, the King James Version. uh, I mean, what do you think? And my other thing is also I have a question. How many books were left out of the Bible, do you believe? Well, let's start with the the Bible versions. A lot of people can uh, ask that question, which Bible version should I use? Uh, One of the answers that I give, there's a couple factors on it. Uh, Number one, you want to use a good word-for-word Bible version. And a word-for-word may be the King James Version or the New King James Version. uh, And um, there's other word-for-word versions uh, there is the New American Standard Bible. There's different New American Bible, different word-for-word uh, Bible translations. Um, there is uh, the NIV that people use. Some see that is more of a uh, thought-for-thought, but uh, with the revision that was done in 2011, I believe, I think that the uh, new uh, NIV, the um, New International Version, there are those who uh, really put their confidence in that and being a word-for-word translation. Uh, matter of fact, I know uh, a, a couple guys that are um, have studied it very carefully, and they, they actually believe that the NIV uh, is a better translation than the New King James. That's all, you know, uh, you know studies that they've done and, and uh, all of this. 
So the important thing is to be able to look for a good word-for-word translation. But one of the things that um, I, uh, you know, um, also encourages, if you're in a church and the pastor is reading from, for example, I've been here in Greeley for 27 years. I've been reading from the New King James Version, and that's where most of the people, you know, come to to study the New King James Version. Um, when it comes to the youth, they might use a New Living Translation, uh, which is uh, more of a thought-for-thought. Thought. Uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version, I believe is a word-for-word, word, a good translation. Uh, but whatever that church is using, and the reason that I continue to use the New King James is because that's the verses I have memorized in my mind. Many, many verses that I have memorized through the New King James Version. And so, you know, you can, you can, the reason I don't go to like an ESV or something is because I would then, hundreds of people would get a new Bible and have to get a new Bible. And right. there have been those who have been here for many years that have got their Bibles marked up and we've been doing that study. So it's, it's more, uh, um, you know, get a good word for word. And, um, and that's something that you can look at. And there's Bible programs like Bible Gateway that you can, you can have your Bible in a word-for-word translation, uh, but you can look it up in any translation. There's so many translations that are out there. They help you in your study to help get a, you know, a different understanding, um, and um, that is something that uh, is, you know, for Bible study, a good word-for-word. Uh, sometimes to get kind of the thought um, that is, um, you know, you might go to New Living Translation, uh, youth groups use that a lot. So that's kind of where you're at with the Bible versions. I am by no means an expert on different Bible translations, but uh, just to encourage you, New King James, King James, you know, NIV, um, those are versions that people use. The English Standard Version is mostly what I hear people use uh, for a study Bible. Well, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I don't want to take up all all, all of the time, but... Do you have anything to say about the what books were left out of the Bible? I don't believe any books were left out of the Bible. I think the 66 books are uh, the canon of Scripture that is put together, and um, there's different criteria to why they use those 66 books. Now, some people will say, well, what about the Gospel of Thomas, or what about you know the Acrypha? Why weren't they in the Bible? They, they're in uh, the Catholic Bible, but... Uh, those books. And the reason that they were left out is because there was certain criteria in putting the uh, canon of Scripture together, particularly the New Testament. And that was, was it historically accurate? Was it, um, you know, the early church apostles uh, see it as being inspired? Um, And, you know, other tests as well. And then you get uh, other books like the uh, people would say, what about the Gospel of Thomas? Well, the Gospel of Thomas if you read through it, there you can see that it really doesn't belong in the Bible, uh, that there's uh, inaccuracies uh, that are there um, that uh, contradict what the Bible says. And then also um, the Acrypha, there's historical inaccuracies that are there. Um, that's where you get like the doctrine of pur- purgatory, uh, other things that are not in the Scripture. So I don't believe that any of the books were left out of the Bible uh, I believe that uh, the canon of Scripture being complete, 
was the 66 books that we have. And then Paul comes along and says, all of it is inspired by God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay. okay? Yes, that answers my question. Thank you. I was a little concerned about that. Thank you so much. Tracy, thank you. And here's the thing, Tracy, and um, and you probably know this, but for the sake of our listeners, sometimes people say, you know, have you read through, um, you know, this book or, um, uh, you know, the gospel according to Barnabas and all of this. There's 66 books that we can spend, you know, um, in the Bible that we have that you can never exhaust. So I encourage people Get a good study Bible, you know, get a concordance that you can have with it. I got a simple concordance that's very old. That if you want to look up words, get a, you can get Bible Gateway. If you want to look up other translations and you're good to go and keep studying the scriptures, what you have before you from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. And have a blessed hey, day. Thanks, Tracy. Appreciate you calling. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Always so good to hear from you guys out there in New Jersey. So glad that uh, as you listen to Hope FM and and um, part of our uh, Calvary Life family. So keep the calls coming. Love to talk with you. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line 720-336-0897. We got a couple open lines, so grab it while you can. Maybe you're... Uh, coming home from work or, uh, you know, taking the kids to practice. You're kind of waiting around or taking a walk in the park. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, if you got a chance to call me, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you uh, about the things of the Lord. Let's go to Rochelle in Littleton. Ra- La- Rochelle? Raquel? Is it Raquel? Raquel. Hi. You're Hi. on Calvary Live. Go ahead. So I have a family uh, situation where I have an eight, my mom is 80 years old, and about eight years ago, my brother somehow uh, convinced her to sign the house over to him and was going to supposedly return the house. And in that eight years, my mom has practically been homeless. Um, she'll live with me. She'll live with my brother in Arizona. She bounces around from house to house. She's got nine children. Um, he refuses to give the house back. And I am one of two daughters, and um, the responsibility to take care of her is, is sort of falling on me, her house, yeah. where she lives, getting her to her appointments. I've tried to talk to my brother, you know, respectively to do the right thing, and he completely refuses. And, you know, he's, he's using the equity of the house to buy other houses and vehicles and things that, you know, just stuff. And um, I guess. I know that we're supposed to take, you know, honor our parents and take care of the widow. She's a widower. And I just, I don't know what to do with this. Um, I have seven brothers and they all constantly ask for money. They ask for support and they're grown men. And she has enabled all of them to live, you know, attached and expecting from her. And it's hard to stand back and watch this when she herself needs, you know, medical care. She needs a place to live in. I just need some guidance on this. I don't even know. Yeah, Raquel. And it's a difficult situation you're in because I know how hard it can be to take care of elderly parents. I have a mom who's 89. And, you know, um, fortunately for me, all of us siblings are on the same page. 
and taking care of her and us being on the same page and working together is it's that's hard in and of itself to make sure she's getting the care that she needs and the care that she deserves. And we've had to make some, you know, difficult decisions even recently concerning her care. And it's hard, but it sounds like that, you know, her in her 80s now that uh, it's really kind of fallen to you. And what can happen is, is that moms being moms that love their kids, um, that they can be easily um, persuaded into giving their kids something that um, perhaps like what you're describing, money or home or whatever it may be. And um, when she's got her own care, so when she has her own needs, so I don't know, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that there be coming together and understanding that your mom has needs and that's a priority. And that is part of honoring your parents and, and especially being a widow that it really falls to you guys. And it sounds like it's falling to you, but it, but you're going to be the kind of the protector right now and the one who's going to be reasonable and do the best that you can in doing that and making sure that she's taken care of in, in her, you know, latter years. And, um, and I'm so sorry you're going through this, but, um, it, it's, you know, saying, listen, she, she can't give you money. You know, she's on a, she only got so much to live on and we need to take care of her and to stand that ground and to honor her in that way. And I know that, uh, what you explained to me in just a couple minutes, there's a lot of history and stuff behind it, but I'm just going to pray that the Lord will minister to your siblings, to your brothers that listen, you know, we are ones that we need to, to quit relying on mom and asking for money and trying to take from her uh, when she needs them as well as you and, um, and, and it's fallen on you, and that makes it even more difficult. So, Father, I pray for Rochelle. I, I just pray that you would help her in this difficult family situation where there's conflict, and, and Lord, that you would give her wisdom in ministering to her mom and Lord, that you would just help her in, in you know, the appointments and fi- finances and all of that. But Lord, that you would minister to her brothers, that they would understand that um, that uh, they have a responsibility and a role, and that is to honor their mom and to be a part of that help, not a hindrance. And Lord, I do pray that you would um, just give Rochelle just the wisdom to speak to them that you would give clarity and understanding in this situation of the needs of mom and um, and what she can and can't do. And Lord, that they would receive that and they would pitch in and they would be able to be not a, a, a burden, but a blessing. And I just pray that you would do that work. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry, Rochelle. You know, one of the things that sometimes as as parents with their kids or with anybody, there's a difference between really helping them and then enabling them. And, um, you you know, I was thinking about that when you said that they're grown men and, um, you know, they they have a responsibility uh, to, you know, uh, go out and work and take care of themselves. And I'm not saying that parents should not help their kids but like I said, there's a difference between helping them and enabling them. And um, and perhaps that is something um, that um, 
that as you pray through, that the Lord's going to guide you in um, in that area and be able to relay that message. Amen. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, I just I hope the, the listeners just continue to keep, keep that in mind and keep it in mind. And uh, I've yeah. been struggling with this for several years, and uh, I'm just, yeah, we yeah. just need some breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Blessings to you. And I want you to know this, that taking care of your mom— because I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. It is pleasing in the eyes of God. He sees you, and, and it's a hard work, but it's a good work, and it's not in vain what you're doing. And God's going to bless you for that as you honor your mom, as you, you're taking the lead in taking care of her. So just remember that. God sees you, and um, and he's pleased with that and what you're doing to take care of your mom, okay? All right. Thanks, Rochelle. Appreciate it. We'll be praying. 303-690-3000 calling number. Text line 720-336-0897. We're going to continue with the phone lines, but I do want to remind you who are taking care of elderly parents, who are raising your kids, you know, those things that can be hard and difficult, that it's not in vain. Keep doing that which pleases the Lord, and um, and He sees, and uh, He wants to strengthen you and just bless you as you do that ministry as you're taking care of those kids and the laundry piles up and, you know, it, it just seems like you can't uh, keep up with, um, you know, the house and everything else. Just keep loving those kids and speaking the word of God into their hearts and raising them in the ways of the Lord as you work hard. God sees it and he is pleased in what you're doing, your ministry, which is very important to them. And then also as you take care of elderly parents or maybe somebody else, you're a caretaker for somebody else that, uh, God sees that, and it touches his heart. So I want to encourage you in that. Hey, uh, we do have a open line. So as I just gave you that number, 303-690-3000. Then the text line for Texan only is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Ronald? Yes, Pastor. Hi, Ronald. Hi, Ronald. How, are, How you? are you, sir? Good. You're on Calvary Live. Yes, I'd like for you to explain uh, John 5th chapter, verses 28 and 29. Yes, um, Jesus there in John chapter 5, 28 and 29. I'm going to read it for the sake of the readers. Don't marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and then those who have done evil to the resurrection and condemnation. And I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but the will uh, of the Father who sent me. So Jesus is talking about the resurrection. And the resurrection is speaking about uh, eternal life in a new resurrected body. But he, he speaks of there's two resurrections that are here. And even Daniel, you can look at Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 um, speaks of that. He says there's going to be a time um, where at that time, in, in the, in, he's speaking about the time of Jacob's trouble, that your people shall be delivered. And everyone who's found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the resurrection is speaking of, you know, the, the believer, and the resurrection is uh, divided up in the first resurrection, 
And then there's Revelation chapter 20 speaks of the second resurrection. And in the first resurrection, Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, that we have the promise that we're going to be resurrected again, that that which is corruptible is going to be incorruptible. That which is mortal is going to be changed to immortality, uh, that we will get new heavenly bodies. So Jesus, the first fruits of the resurrection, and then everyone in their own order after that. So uh, the rapture of the church, uh, we know that the, the, the New Testament saints uh, are going to be resurrected. Um, the, the, the church um, age uh, believers are going to be resurrected at that time, and the, a generation of believers who uh, are going to meet the Lord in the air, they are going to be resurrected. There's going to be a, a resurrection of those who go through the tribulation period, who end up being martyred by the Antichrist, um, there's another resurrection. That's all part of the first resurrection, the millennium reign. Those who live through the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, they're going to have to get their new heavenly bodies as well. So that's all part of the first resurrection. And then the second resurrection is speaking of after the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, there's the great white throne judgment and the unrighteous dead, those who are unbelievers, that they are going to be resurrected, and they will stand at the great white throne judgment, and they will be sentenced to outer darkness um, for all eternity. So you don't want to be a part of the second resurrection. You want to be a part of the first resurrection that happens in its own order. So Jesus comes along and says, listen, there's going to be a time uh, where there's going to be the resurrection, those to life and those to condemnation. And then Jesus speaks about in verse 30, how he is the one that is the judge. All judgment has been given to him, and his judgment is righteous. In other words, no one's going to be able to stand at the great white throne judgment and to be able to say that, hey, you know what, that's not fair, or I got a few things to say to you, Lord. No, every knee shall bow um, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we do that now. We are going to, as we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, come and ask him into our hearts. We're saved again and born again by the Spirit of God as we come in faith. We are part of the first resurrection. But those who reject the gospel, they will be forced to bow the knee, and they will be uh, forced to recognize that he is truly Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there's the first resurrection and the second resurrection that is being spoken of. So you're saying that the first resurrection includes uh, the millennium period and the rapture. Tribulation saints, the rapture of the church, um, the the church age. It seems like the Old Testament, uh, in Daniel chapter 12, the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period. So each in its own order that is given there. It's a very fascinating subject to look at and to see the different resurrections. But the believers, to say in short, all those who are believers are going to be part of what's called the first resurrection. And then the non-believers will be resurrected after the millennium reign. Uh, The unrighteous dead will stand before the great white throne judgment. And then that's the second resurrection. Um, And they will be cast into the lake of fire. The second resurrection is the one that has no power. 
that there's there's yeah they they will go into uh, the lake of fire for all eternity. So where do where do they get this the thought that uh, Jesus is going down in the grave to preach to the people that have died well, already? Well, we're getting ready to go to break, so I just want to say read Ephesians. Uh, as you read Ephesians chapter four, it says that before he descended or ascended, he first descended. So he went down into what is called Hades. It was two different compartments, Luke chapter 16 and paradise. And now that chamber is empty and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So hang on. We'll come right back after the break and I'll clarify for you uh, about that resurrection and what that's all about. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live on this last Tuesday of August. And boy, in a couple days, we'll be heading into September. And I pray that you had a a blessed uh, summer, the traditional summer months, June, July, August, are just about over. It goes by so fast, and uh, we still got uh, plenty of of, of summer. The the, uh, the official ending of summer is next month, but uh, I don't know if those of you who are listening uh, might uh, in other parts of the country might find this to be interesting. But the first recorded snow ever in Denver was on September the third, like four inches of snow. I can't remember what it was. I think it was back in the sixties that actually on September the 3rd in Denver, it snowed like four inches. So we could get snow at any time, actually. It, the forecast is it's supposed to be in the 90s for the next uh, extended uh, time of 10 days or more. Uh, so it's not going to happen this year. But, the, you know, that's hard to believe that uh, on September the 3rd, which would be coming up this weekend, that there was one year that they actually got snow. So, there is a change of season that will be coming up. You know, school has started. Uh, there is, you know, the kids are playing football or softball or, you know, um, maybe perhaps soccer and things. And uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. And sometimes we can go through changes spiritually. Sometimes it's just uh, summer. It's growth. It's warmth. that's going on in our hearts and in our lives. And then sometimes we transition into fall where it seems like, uh, things are, you know, it's it's like a, I feel like um, things are starting to dry up and uh, go dormant and stuff. But whatever season that you're in, maybe you're in a season of winter right now, uh, that it, things feel cold and uh, you're cold in your heart. I want you to know this, that we're here to pray for you and the Lord loves you and uh, know that the Lord wants to work in your life. Whatever season that you're in, you keep looking to him and you call out to him and he uh, as you do that, uh, desires to minister to your heart. And if you need prayer, give us a a, a call, 303-690-3000, as we have a couple open lines. That's the call-in number to text line 720-336-0897. So text me a question or a prayer request. If we have time, we'll go through that. I've got plenty of time for you to call, and so I'd love to talk with you. Jeff Figgs here, your host today of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. 
Um, just um, so delighted that I can talk with you and encourage you. But uh, we're going to go to the phone lines. Grab one of those open lines that, that number I just gave you. Let's go to Ivan in Denver. Hi, Ivan. Hey, Pastor Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I was listening to uh, Grace FM today, and Pastor Chuck Smith, he was talking about the anointing of uh, Aaron, and he was talking about the special oil. And so I decided to look it up in Exodus, and there's a recipe for it. So uh, I was wondering, is this, the Bible talks about the anointing all over the place. And is this the oil, like in uh, James five fourteen? is this the oil that the elders are supposed to use? Is this the same no, oil that they use throughout the Bible? Yeah, and, you know, the anointing, they would anoint the king, they would anoint the prophets. Uh, David was anointed by it. And um, we know that that recipe in Exodus chapter 30, you know, you you have, you know, liquid myrrh, uh, cinnamon, uh, all that that is uh, there that they would make that special holy anointing oil. It was also used, I believe, Ivan, for like the menorah. Uh, they would uh, make that oil for the menorah um, and they would fill it up full of oil. And then there was the um, the... Uh, commandment not to try to duplicate it. Don't try to duplicate that holy oil, the recipe that the Lord gave. And we also know that Exodus chapter 30 says that you're going to speak to the children of Israel saying this shall be a holy anointing oil throughout your generation. So it seems like that was the holy anointing oil that they would use throughout the the Old Testament anointing David. You know, Elijah was anointed um, you, you know, uh, kings were anointed as well. And then also, um, you know, um, as you see it, so they used it uh, and they were not to duplicate it. It wasn't to be uh, duplicated in any other way. And Ivan, here's the important lesson in that as I think about that, is that the oil speaks of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it, in the Old Testament? So they were anointed for the the position of being a king, for their ministry of being a prophet, um, uh, or the priests were anointed as well. You see in the book of Leviticus, uh, in chapter 8, there's the anointing of the priests, the preparation of the priests, and then chapter 9, there's the presentation of the priests. So it was used throughout the generation, it seems like what Exodus tells us. But don't duplicate that holy anointing oil. And there was... A, a warning that if you do, um, then it's bad news for you. Here's the thing. The Lord, um, as we uh, go move out in ministry and what he's called us and the giftings he's given to us, we don't want to try to duplicate somebody else's is ministry. And that's a lesson that really that the Lord uh, had to show me. And I think a lot of guys who first start in the ministry. We we can learn from others. Uh, for example, Pastor Chuck Smith, who was a wonderful teacher, or somebody else, but we don't want to try to duplicate them. Uh, we have uh, you know, an anointing from the Lord to move forward in it. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to mimic somebody else that you move forward in the anointing uh, that God has for you. 
in the ministry that he has for you, and uh, don't try to duplicate somebody else. And that's just something that I had to learn um, that uh, as I moved out in ministry. Um, and I'm so grateful that the Lord has shown me that because uh, I think about the privilege that I get to minister with the guys here in Colorado. Um, I'm, I don't have the same ministry as Pastor Ed Taylor. He has a wonderful ministry. Um, I love him. He's a good friend. Um, but God has given me a ministry here in Greeley. I don't have the same you know, ministry as um, Pastor Al Pittman or Eric Cartier or any of the guys or other pastors that I know um, and appreciate. And I'm so thankful that God uses us in different ways and different callings. And uh, he anoints us for the calling that he's given to us. And I don't have to try to be like somebody else. And they don't have to try to be like me. So that's a lesson that I get that as you bring up the holy anointing oil of the Old Testament. So in James, what what oil do they does he use there? Well, I'm not sure if it's the same thing or not. So uh, as he calls for the elders to anoint with oil uh, for healing. So um, it, it's something that uh, right off the cuff, I, I don't know if they use the same oil as what was in the book of Exodus. Okay. Yeah, because that, you know, that would have been you, you quite think, a few years later. Well, yeah, Ivan, but you think about, but James, you know, he, he was Jewish. You know, the the first believers there in the early church were Jewish. So did they have that uh, anointing oil as it was used through uh, the generations? Is it speaking okay. of that anointing oil? Um, I'm not really sure. We do know that he says anoint with oil. So if it could be, I would assume, but I can't say dogmatically if it was. Okay. It's not around and, now. I don't know. <laughs> There's the recipes, okay. the recipes there in Exodus. But, you know, here's the thing, you know, like uh, the book of Hanukkah um, or the book of Hanukkah, the, the feast of Hanukkah, which uh, is uh, Hanukkah is means dedication. The feast of dedication that came out of um, the Maccabee days when they overthrew Antiochus Epiphanes, um, that they rededicated the temple that they had oil for the menorah and they only had a one day supply of oil and it takes eight days to make a new supply. So when they lit the menorah, when they rededicated it, they said, Oh no, we don't have any more oil. It takes eight days to make a new batch. The menorah is going to go out and that's, you know, a bad sign. It's not good. And God worked a miracle to where it burned for eight days until they could make that new batch. Um, so that's what Hanukkah is about, the relighting of the menorah, uh, the dedication of the temple as they cleansed it after Antiochus Epiphanes went in and desecrated the temple. And uh, so, you know, they were using it during that time in the second temple period right before Jesus. So, you know, they were still using that oil and making that oil, and it took eight days to make a new batch. So it's all interesting to kind of to look at all of that. Okay. All right. Well, All right. Thank you. Thanks, Ivan. You bet. Thanks uh-huh. for calling. Appreciate it. Hey, we got all open lines. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line, 720-336-0897. You know, here's the thing um, that, again, just to follow up, um, that um, as we know that uh, oil represents the Holy Spirit uh, in the Old Testament, they would anoint the priest, the king, uh, the prophet with oil for 
uh, the ministry, the position that they had. And the Holy Spirit uh, is the one that anoints us for ministry. And whatever ministry that God has called you to do, it is a calling of God and an empowering of the Holy Spirit, an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we never want to try to duplicate somebody else. And that was a real lesson that that I had to learn. I think every young pastor has to learn that because when I first got into ministry, I've been in ministry 30 years now, that I thought, oh, I'm going to be like Chuck Smith or I'm going to be like John Corson. And uh, it was a scary thing to teach through the Bible. And we can learn from them, study from their studies, but be who you are. God gave you the personality um, that he gave you to to not try to be somebody else or mimic somebody else, uh, to be like them, to be a carbon copy because you just won't do a good job. And uh, and so just be who you are. Move out in how God has made you, the personality he's given to you, how he's anointed you. And it's such a blessing. I really appreciate the diversity um, in the body of Christ, the different personalities, uh, ministries that are given. And that's all part of the body of Christ, different members, different anointings, uh, different uh, callings that we have as we all work together to glorify the Lord. So just want to encourage you um, in your ministry as you go forward. We have all open lines right now, so we've got plenty of time in the show. Love for you to grab one of those open lines. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And the text line is 720-336-0897. And so grab an open line as uh, we are right before the break. We're talking about the resurrection as um, we had a caller that was uh, asking about John chapter 5, as Jesus said, that there's going to be the resurrection to life, um, and then there's going to be the resurrection to condemnation. And then asking about uh, that whole thing about Jesus descending before he ascended. And people get very confused about the resurrection. And the thing to keep in mind is, is that the resurrection is speaking of eternal life. Everyone's going to move on into eternal life. It's just, where is it going to be? Is it going to be in heaven with the Lord, or is it going to be separate from the Lord in the lake of fire? And the first resurrection takes on different parts. Jesus being the first fruits, and then everyone in its own order, as Paul writes in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And, and you know, the, um, the rapture of the church, the, the church age, the um, believers are going to be resurrected at that time, and then you have... Uh, those who go through the tribulation that were martyred. Um, you have the millennium um, saints that are believers that are going to be resurrected eventually to get their new heavenly bodies. That's all part of the first resurrection. <clears throat> the second resurrection is the unrighteous dead. Now, we know that Jesus spoke about in Luke chapter 16 about Lazarus and the rich man. And, and, uh, the rich man went to that compartment of the unrighteous dead. There was a chasm, and then there was Abraham's bosom where Lazarus went. And the rich man's yelling over to Abraham, Hey, send Lazarus over here to to dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. I'm in torment. And Abraham said, No, can't do that. There's a chasm between us. Uh, Lazarus cannot cross over. And then he said, the rich man, Can you send um, Lazarus back to warn my brothers? And it was like, no, can't do that. They have the scriptures. So when Jesus died on the cross, everybody 
in the Old Testament time was looking forward to the cross, and because their sins had not been completely taken away, they did the animal sacrifices. The book of Hebrews says that um, that uh, those animal sacrifices were not enough to take away sin. It was a kofar to cover sin until Jesus Christ came and died for our sins once and for all. So they went down into that compartment. It's Hades, Sheol, that was Abraham's bosom, and then a chasm, and then the unrighteous dead. And when Jesus died on the cross, he first descended, and then he ascended, and that compartment of paradise is now empty. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Sometimes people, as Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 15, that um, not all shall sleep. And that word sleep is speaking of death. And there's a, a false doctrine of those who say that when we die, we go into soul sleep. Um, that's not what's being spoken of when Paul writes about the resurrection. He's speaking about our bodies will sleep, but not our soul. So I, I want you to know this and be comforted by it, um, that when a Christian dies, when a loved one dies that knew the Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we have that promise that they will be present with the Lord. The thief on the cross, when Jesus turned to him and said, you'll be with me today in paradise, he didn't say you're going to go into soul sleep for the next couple thousand years. So the resurrection is speaking about new heavenly bodies. That which is corrupt will be incorruptible. That which is mortal will be into immortality. New heavenly bodies Believers are part of the first resurrection, as Jesus said, they will come forth, those who hear his voice, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and done those who have done evil, they, the unrighteous dead, to the resurrection and condemnation. And so I just want to clarify that with the resurrection, because there's been a number of questions on that, and people get um, confused about that as well. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Um, and then seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Juanita in Denver. Hi, Juanita. Hello. You there? How are yes. you? Yes, I'm very good. Good, good. Go ahead. You're on Calvary Live. All right. I had two questions that are unrelated, and the first question is, I wanted to find out exactly what does it mean, and can you give an example of what it means when someone says they're standing in the gap for someone. Yeah, and that's found in the book of Ezekiel. And oh, okay. Ezekiel, he, he talks about the watchman on the wall. Um, and then he also, he Ezekiel is speaking, it's at a time of the captivity has happened, and, um, you know, the, the, the false prophets were on the scene. And, um, you know, the stand in the gap means that you know, the wall has been broken down. Um, you know, there's there's a hole, there's a gap. The stand in the gap, and, and Ezekiel says that the Lord is looking for those to stand in the gap, and really in prayer, to stand in the gap and pray for the nation, to pray for the people. And, and unfortunately, I believe it's in Ezekiel, if I remember in my study of it, that God couldn't find anybody to stand in the gap. And, and it, it was a sad portion of Scripture. And so to stand in the gap, when we say, you know, we need to stand in the gap, how do we do that? That is by being a watchman on the wall. That is by prayer, praying for our nation, praying for our community, praying for our family, because, um, you know, the the uh, the 
it's a battle out there, and the warfare is very, very real. Matter of fact, on Sunday, we were just studying in Daniel chapter 10. There's this, the last and final vision of Daniel in the book of Daniel. Um, it, there's a prelude in chapter 10 about this spiritual warfare that's going on. And Daniel had set himself to pray and fast for, for three weeks. An angel comes and says, Daniel, your words were heard from the first day, but as I was coming to you, the prince of Persia came, and Michael the archangel had to come and help me. And that's an interesting insight to the spiritual world that is real out there. But it seems to indicate that there are there demons over countries. Uh, he, at the end of the chapter, talks about the prince of Greece. So we do know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness of hosts in high places. And that just as there are angels, there's cherubim, seraphims, you know, Michael, the archangel. He is the definite article archangel. There's Gabriel that's named, that God has his host of ministering spirits that are angels and that are all organized. Satan has it as well. And what we are to do is to do the example of Daniel who prayed and to stand in the gap and to pray for our nation. And that's how we can do that. Pray for your family. Pray for your kids. Don't stop praying, especially in the day in which we are in, because Satan is working overtime, and, and the demonic world is working overtime in our Amen. country, yeah. in our world, and in our community. So that's what it means. Ah, thank you. That's a that's a wonderful question. I mean, wonderful answer. I've been I've been doing that, but I I didn't wasn't really clear, of, you know, yeah. what that meant. But I have been fasting and praying, and I, I'm gonna even do more of it now that I know that's what it means to stand in the gap. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you had another question? My other question was, um, it talks about, Revelation talks about how in the end times that there's going to be a third temple and that um, this Satan's going to enter somebody and they're going to take over that temple and try to get people to start worshiping him. And so I'm just curious, because I know that it's only going to go over on for a limited period of time. What happens to that temple when it ends? How does that come to an end? Well, that's another good question. There hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem for 2,000 years. We do know that Daniel writes about it uh, 2,500 years ago. Uh, Paul speaks of it in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We know that there is going to be a third temple. And matter of fact, uh, Juanita, if you go to Jerusalem today, there's a place called the Temple Institute that they have all the furnishings ready to go. They have the priestly garments ready to go. They have um, the giant seven-branch menorah overlaid with gold in the old city there. It's got a glass case around it. Uh, they're ready to go. They're training young men to do sacrifices. Um, but we do know that there's going to be a temple because Daniel chapter 9 speaks about how the Antichrist will come on the scene in the tribulation period. And the tribulation period begins with the Antichrist, that he will make a covenant with Israel for one week, a seven-year period. That's the 70th week of Daniel. And in the middle of the week, Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 tells us that he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and then he will desecrate that temple uh, called the abomination of desolation. Jesus comes along in the Olivet Discourse speaking about the, the signs of the end and the end of the age, 
He says, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of Daniel the prophet, flee, because it will be great tribulation such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. It is that time that Daniel chapter 12 speaks of that it will be trouble for the nation, such as the nation has never, ever seen before. Um, so we know that that last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period is called Jacob's Trouble. Jeremiah calls it Jacob's Trouble. It is called the Great Tribulation Period, uh, where there's going to be such upheaval, devastation, destruction, war, like the world has never seen before. And it all begins when the Antichrist, as Paul writes in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, goes into the third temple, the, the third temple being um, there in Jerusalem at that time, he will proclaim himself as God, and he will proclaim himself as God to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. So he will desecrate the temple at that time, set up an image of himself, and command the world to worship him. He will continue for 1,260 days, uh, 42 months, uh, time, you know, uh, uh, it is uh, times, times, and a half times. Sometimes you read that's three and a half years, and he will continue until Jesus Christ comes back. And then that temple, called the Tribulation Temple, will be done away with. And Ezekiel writes about the Millennial Temple as the topography around Jerusalem is going to change. When Jesus comes back, we're going to come back with him. And Zechariah tells us that he'll touch down on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives will heave in half. Uh, waters will come from where the temple is, the altar, the Millennium Temple, which is magnificent. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. Jesus will dwell from Jerusalem there in the temple. And it says that his glory will fill the temple, and also we know that his glory will fill all of the earth. And so it's interesting. You can read in Daniel chapter 12 that Daniel's asking, when is the end of these things? And it will be from the time of the abomination of desolation, 1,290 days. Blessed is he who comes to 1,335 days. So there's an additional 75 days to the 1,260 days. So what is that all about? Well, I think when Jesus Christ comes back, remember that the battle Armageddon has taken place in northern Israel. We know that, uh, you know, the waters have turned to blood. You know, all the vegetation has been burnt up. And there's great devastation. And it's those extra 75 days where I think what's going to take place is Matthew chapter 25, the judgment of the nations, that is separating the sheep from the goats, to see who's going to enter into the millennium reign. There's going to be the restoration of Israel, of course, taking place. And I think there's going to be the destruction of the third temple at that time as well to prepare for the millennial temple. So there will be a third temple. They're already building it. As a matter of fact, what is interesting is that I told our people this before we went to Israel. I said, you know, you can read the, the book of um, of Ezra and what they did was when they came back to rebuild the temple, Solomon's temple was destroyed. The decree came back from you know Cyrus. The 70 years captivity is over. Go back and rebuild the temple. They pushed all the rubble aside, and they built the altar. They're all ready to build the altar. They could do sacrifices even before there's a temple building. 
but we do know that there is going to be a temple. So I just threw a whole lot at you in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> oh, no, and, that's good. I was following right along. Um, and I think the last judgment is the bowls, right? And that's probably going to be the last three and a half years where those bowls start yeah. getting poured out. Yeah, and, you know, and the waters that come out from the Millennial Temple are going to cleanse the water, heal the waters of the world because they're full of blood. And the Dead Sea is going to be, as you read Ezekiel, full of full of fish, and there will be fishing from it. So you're, you're going to see, and I think it's at that time that the, the Tribulation Saints and the Old Testament Saints will be resurrected. They're not going to be resurrected into a devastated world full of blood and all this. I think it's when that kingdom really is established in the Millennium Kingdom, and this is my own thought, you don't have to make doctrine out of this, that then they will be resurrected into the kingdom of God um, as righteousness then will cover the earth, as waters cover the sea. The desert's going to bloom. It's going to be a wonderful time. Um, But there will be that third temple. And there are those who come along and say, well, we want to give money to the third temple. You know, we want to... Um, you know, we want to give uh, money to that to f- help fund that. Uh, I personally don't want to do that because that's going to be, the, you know, the Antichrist temple. And it's going to be a temple that's going to be used for him to proclaim that he is God and command the world to worship him. So, hey, good question. They went by fast. Sorry we didn't get to everybody, but uh, Calvary Live will be back uh, same time during the week and uh, tomorrow. And uh, so try to call back. God bless you. Thank you, everyone, who uh, was a part of the show today. So appreciate it. Keep reading the scriptures. Stay close to the Lord. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.